0: We are here with Lucien Windrich from Evoid. We've been waiting for this moment, Barrett. It's yes, finally we have. here. It's finally <laughs> here. You know we, we started, um, you know, we started doing interviews with people and we started with uh, lots of uh, South Africans, but this has been the one that we've really been waiting for. So I'm very excited. Ah. Lucien, please, please welcome to that Amy ah. show. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: That's wonderful. It's a pleasure, Dory.
0: <laughs> Thanks. Is, um, it is,
1: is it Dory or Dory?
0: Uh, either, I don't really mind. Dor- okay. technically Dory, but lots of people say Dory, it doesn't bother okay. me. It's all yeah, good. Yeah. All good. <laughs> we had Danny DeVette on on a previous show talking about Petit Chaval. Now I know he hmm. was your drummer for a short period of time. Evoid was essentially a three piece and it's you and your brother Eric. And then they, they you went through a few drummers over the the course of the years. Yeah.
1: yeah. So
0: let's start at the very beginning. How did the band come about? Like what what made avoid void a thing?
1: Well, there are two incarnations. There's, there's Void, that was mm. with Danny, myself, um, Terry and Dallas, doing sort of rock genesis and all kinds of cover things. But when we started on the cover, So Good, we thought if we're going to do the cover, So could we're going to at least do some of our own stuff. So this was way back, 1979. And then we got offered to do a professional gig in Rhodesia then, which actually became Zimbabwe. We were at at the changeover and then in 82 we broke up Danny and Agia joined the band Danny left and then we started the three piece so I I can give you loads more but I'm gonna wait
0: (laughs) in a nutshell
1: in a nutshell that's it in a nutshell yeah
0: and, and how did you actually, like, come to find – your sound is so unique. It's, I mean, I've seen it described as African punk, various things. Such a unique sound. How did that sound come about?
1: Okay. So we did, you know, the normal rock stuff. And then we got to East London, maybe 82. And Danny left and Aggie left. And then I remember Danny – Aggie first, actually – Saying to us, you know, you guys should do some kind of Soweto new wave, because Aggie was <laughs> way ahead with all of his thinking. And um, you know, who I'm talking about Aggie.
0: Yes, and Aggie yeah. was uh, eventually in the Electric Petals. I knew him quite well. Yes, exactly. While. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And, and I and I had worked in African record bars, and I, so I, I was familiar with the music, but I didn't think that I was going to take something like that seriously. Do you know what I mean? It was just part of yeah. my background. Yeah, uh, and um, he said no. Lou, you should do so. It's a new wave, and they had already cut all their hair. They were a new wave and two tone and stuff. And I was, I still had my hippie long hair. <laughs> you know, I was, I was still holding on for as long as I could. <laughs> and then when Danny left, um, not too sure why Danny left, he just, but he said he challenged me actually. He said, "Well, if you're going to do some kind of African-y thing." You're going to have to do it convincingly. Mm. You know, it has to be. It has to become a lifestyle. You have to live it. Those were his exact words. You have to live it. And so I thought, okay, bloody hell, I will then. <laughs> <laughs> and so we we started taking on, messing around with the guitar sounds. The jam became a three piece. We were actually a two piece. We we're needing a drummer, but then once we had the drummer, we started messing about with chord structure just jangly bits and and really enjoying it and and then the image slowly started coming together yeah
0: yeah and i mean that image was very dramatic i remember i mean obviously you know i mean a lot of the 80s is very dramatic but when i think about your album covers specifically it's like the the makeup and you know the clothing it's it's really very some, something very unique
1: yeah notoriously it, it was but but at the time obviously we were in the new romantic period so yes. um, a lot of that makeup on the Okies was happening all <laughs> over the place <laughs> yeah. so and but to be honest it's so funny the eighties those early eighties because being androgynous just was absolutely fine it didn't yeah. matter at all. You know, I know, was, nobody, like, it It just seemed to be the norm, absolutely. It just seemed completely <laughs> normal to go up and there and, like, ponce about, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, in a way it was quite strange, but but wonderful, though. Anyway, so then when we did that album cover, I remember Fiona McPherson, wonderful photographer, she also did the Via Africa stuff, I think. Yes, yes. And um, she did this photo shoot, and... Um, I think she must have said maybe take either her or I said, I didn't want to do it with tops on because clothing can date you. Right. So I I was saying, let's just not do the clothing, just us and some African beads. And that's it. You know?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's how oh. that that's how that cover came about.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. I I, yeah. I I still own that. I mean, I've I've got uh, yeah. at least at least two albums. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So, somewhere
1: in my uh, collection.
2: Where, where does the name Void come from? How did you guys choose that name?
1: So the first Void was without the E. Yes, and that was that was just your normal prog rock. Band, you know what I mean? In fact, I was heavily into Buddhism when I was 17 and was being in the void, you know. <laughs>
2: okay, so, yeah.
1: So that, that's how that came about. But then Eric, when we started redefining our uh, sound and image, he wanted to the name to reflect the Africanness. So what popped into his head was Air Lollipop, the film. <laughs>
0: Oh, okay. oh, my goodness! I just want to cry when I hear that name. I just want to cry. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> El lollipop, and he
1: loved it because it was such a strong film. Mm. And and air is a colloquial, colloquialism for the in 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 cosa, I think, yeah. The yeah, something. So we went, oh, the void, but f void. You know what I mean? And then eventually became e void. you left out the little accent.
2: Yes. Oh, wow. Well, you know, I remember in the 80s uh, seeing your guys' names and seeing your images, and I always thought it was all French and sophisticated from France. I actually didn't realize at the time it was South Africa until a bit later on. So that's very interesting yes. the history of the name as well.
1: Yes, I know what you mean by it. Definitely. <laughs> and, and then actually, as we came to London, um, there's an urban dictionary, and the word has gone into the urban dictionary. I don't know if you know this. No. Oh, wow. What does it say? <laughs> so to avoid someone means to a- to avoid them by using some form of technology. So so oh. every time you look at your phone and you don't want to talk to someone, you're avoiding them.
0: <laughs> that's so funny and yeah, that's so clever.
2: <laughs> that's Isn't that wonderful? So cool. That's <laughs> yeah. amazing.
0: That's a good one. I like wonderful. that. Let's talk about a couple of the really big hits. I want to – we like to somehow, sometimes go into like the meaning of the lyrics and stuff like that. Let's talk about Shadows. What inspired you to write it? What's the – I mean, did you have The stranger Dream?
1: <laughs> okay. No, a, I mean, I've, we've, I've never really spoken about this in, in any great depth, neither Eric. Yeah. Um, so the lyrics – Eric wrote the lyrics – um, he had been reading credo mutwa okay yes inndaba my children and he was very inspired by all these folk African folk tales and stories yeah um, and then he had just written this thing about I had the strangest dream in the Bundabush bush of Africa and and the twist in the middle was was the whole point of the song because you know when you muscle into attack and then you became a burning Bush and I, a victim of your snare. So that whole twist, yeah, was was what that story was about. But he had there was no music; it was just something he had written. Okay. Um, and he left, and you put it on it. You put it to the side. You know what it's like. And the and the word shadows wasn't in that at all. Just just the the verses. Okay. Then I, I had this baseline because I was. <laughs> It's going to sound odd, but I was, I'd been listening to Yazoo, you know, that, don't go. Yeah. And so so that kind of dum-dum-dum-dum dum was in my head. And that's, I, I just dum-dum-dum-dum-dum-dum-dum-dum was in my head. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I i had this baseline thinking, okay, well, at some point maybe I'll write a sort of a, a, a Yazoo type song. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's what you think, you know. Yes. So then we had a rehearsal at Chelsea Hotel and Wayne was there, me, Eric and Wayne, because we used to, they used to allow us to rehearse in the daytime. And and I said, oh, I've got this riff, you know. Um, and then Wayne, I played it, Eric played it on the keyboard once I'd shown him the riff. And then Wayne started just playing a simple beat, you know, and felt like, oh, that's a nice little groove. And then Eric kind of popped up and said, well, actually, I have these lyrics that you know. I think it might have been the second day when he brought them back,
2: and okay. then he,
1: and then he started singing these lyrics over it. But we still had no chorus. We just had this lovely groove with with this story going on. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And then, usually, when you write these songs, you go from a verse into a chorus, and you change chords you change the key or you change chords but we didn't we didn't want to g- go away from the chords <laughs> yeah <laughs> the secret so we just i then had something pop into my head which is a song by simple minds called somewhere sometimes in yeah. summertime something like that yeah had that just lovely, right. <laughs> oh exactly so yeah. that song popped into my head and i went shadow shadows you know <laughs> i kind of And I went, oh my god, that's so. It It was the feeling, was the emotion, because I loved that song for that emotion that they had, you know, and that's what I wanted to get from because the song felt like very emotive. Something yeah. sinister, dark was going on.
0: <laughs> I have to tell you, I never picked up that it was inspired by Yazoo and Simple Minds. I did; I never picked
1: that up. <laughs> exactly, Dori, You wouldn't because it was—it's the feeling, it's the emotion, yeah. you know. Yeah. My favorite
0: track is Taxi Man. Okay. <laughs> I love that. So I'm going to ask the same question. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Did you see someone on the highway heading into town? <laughs>
1: So the <laughs> lyrics for that one? No, I didn't. The, the, answer, the short answer is no. That was those were Carl's lyrics. Okay. So my older brother Carl, who was our manager, also a very good musician, and wrote loads of songs. And he again had a pile of lyrics lying around. And once I'd written the basic track, I thought, oh, God, I need like because with I needed a really poppy, simple poppy lyric. Um, Now, with Taxi Man, what it was for me musically is it was a kind of a could you be loved, Bob Marley's Could You Be Loved. So I love those, again, those interlocking rhythms, and I wanted to create something really interlocking, very tight. Um, So, again, I'd had the groove. I had a basic melody, but I didn't have any lyrics. So then I went to Carl and said, can I have a look through your lyrics song sheet? And I said, ah, that'll fit. And then that's it. So, so you have to ask Carl what he was writing about, about a tax mm. but, oh, yeah. Okay.
0: Oh, well, that's, it's a really cool song. We really love it. Yeah, so it yeah. doesn't matter, really, I guess. I was looking on, on the Wikipedia page about you, and, I mean, there's all sorts of really interesting things about how you had some run-ins with the police <laughs> and in the 80s. Um, well, it was specifically your – it was Wayne – who was yeah. uh, AWOL from his uh, yeah. his army duty, and mm. then Danny had to come in and and complete the tour because Wayne Wayne was uh, arrested.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, can you imagine? Because I remember Carl uh, coming to me and saying, "Lou, uh, things are taking off with this album. We need to sort out a Varsity tour." Yeah, you know, and and, and he said, "I think it was Robbie Mann. Uh, Robbie Mann and wanted to." join in with Carl and put some money in. And uh, Carl said, listen, we're going to put in 30,000 pounds of our own, uh, not pounds, rands of our own. And I went, what? Because to me that sounded like loads of money then, just to th- for a totally unknown band. Yeah. But we but we made about 90,000 on the tour, which was is, which is incredible. So he then said, we were just about to go on, out on tour. <sighs> I still remember this. And Wayne said, Carl, I have to tell you something. Uh, Carl said, what? He said, look, I'm actually on a wall, and if we go tour anywhere near Grahamstown, they're probably going to come and get me. <laughs> and he went, oh, thanks for telling us. Now, Wayne, bloody hell. So then he said, well, we just have to get another drummer to come with us on tour. And that's just how it is. That's how it's going to have to be. So then he got Danny, and it said Danny was a backup drummer, in case that happened.
0: Yeah. And
1: wow. It happened. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> happened. And such a the crazy one night story. one yeah. night he just ran uh, uh um oh, it was quite late, and i remember remember him running out the back wayne, and I thought, oh God, they have come, but they he ran off somewhere, but they caught him, and that was it so then Danny was doing a gig with us, Wonderful. <laughs> from then on.
0: <laughs> what a crazy, crazy. story I mean, it's a gra- it makes a great story in the long run, right
1: <laughs> it does you know it does, I suppose. <laughs>
0: It's so funny because mm. on this uh, uh, again on the Wikipedia page it says here criticism was levelled at the band, that the band that you were what androgynous misfits pretentious white boys in beads, and shallow minded slaves to fashion and rhythm. I mean, <laughs> I think yes, being a slave we to fashion and rhythm is not a bad thing, but
1: we were definitely.
0: <laughs> but I mean that so that that whole thing about being white boys in beads i mean right now, i mean yeah. nowadays there's the whole cultural appropriation thing like but it what was it a, was it a big deal then
1: you know it's interesting dory because I, I did a degree in anthropology and my tutor asked me the same question mm. she said well wasn't that cultural appropriation so i said yes <laughs> it was no but it's true it, to to yeah. some extent it was but then i said when, for example, we approached the the enderbelly women to make these beads for us, we, we gave them a job. Did you want to do this? Do, you know, we paid them mm. really well. They came to us and said, "Please, we need more work. Give us more work." So they made more beads, they made more c- c- beadwork, and all that kind of stuff for us. Yeah. So yes, it is. Cu- it's we didn't economically ex- exploit anyone, but yeah. there is a cultural appropriation. But then again, music. And sports, they tend to transcend a lot of that stuff. A lot of that stuff goes on in, in, yeah. in music and arts. You know?
0: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I think there's no um, slave to fashion. No. you creating your own fashion, your own uniqueness. No one else was doing it at the time. So for me, I think it's interesting and in creating a new visual compared to what everyone else was doing.
1: Thank you, Barrett. That is true because I remember thinking then. I thought, well, if we don't do it, who's going to do it? Why don't we just become who we are, we are white South Africans. Why can't we take yeah, on a bit of the exactly. South African-ness? You know? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Okay,
0: concert in the park. The thing I wish I had been at, but I was a okay. touch too young at the time, <laughs> just a little bit too young. And I really, I mean, I, it's one mm. of those, Oh, if I could get in a time machine, you know, and go back because its it looks up like from, mm. from the footage that I've seen and the stories that I've heard that it was an unbelievable experience. What are your memories of that of that of that
1: experience that day? It's slightly surreal for me, only because we did concert in the park. We left yeah. a few weeks later, and then six months later, I was at Live Aid. Oh my goodness! So, <laughs> Dory, I can't tell you how surreal it was because here I was. we done such a massive gig, a prestigious gig in South Africa, where I was on stage looking out at hundreds and thousands of people and then six months later I was in the crowd looking at Queen and Bowie and all of them. It was so surreal. Yeah. I don't know whether Bob Geldof maybe heard about Concert in the Park and Operation Hunger to be perfectly honest <laughs> but maybe it's just synchronous. I'm yeah. just going to leave it coincidence but what an amazing gig. What a, um, Do you know that we nearly didn't do it?
0: Oh no, tell us that. Tell us that story.
1: Oh, well, Carl, again, approached us and said, listen, these the organizers, I can't remember who the organizers were, want want us to play at this benefit gig for Operation Hunger. And we'd already um, planned to leave uh, in 5th of Feb is when we left. And the gig was in January, wasn't it? I think. Wow. So we planned to leave a month later. So we thought, well, we can't think about doing that kind of a, a gig now. You know, we, our heads were somewhere else already. Yeah. But the momentum of the gig started swelling, and they came back to us and said, "Guys, are you sure you don't want to do it? We, we really want you on." And by the third time, we went, "Bloody hell, we definitely are going to do this." All this when so many bands started coming on board. Yeah. You know what it's yeah, like. Yeah. You, you go. How can you not be part of this now? And I remember saying that to Carla. I said, I don't care about anything else, no money or just let's just do the gig. It's, it's a gig for such a good cause. It's brilliant.
2: So if you would have been in the audience at Live Aid before performing, would have had would have had, had changed your perspective of concert in the park at all, do you think?
1: Wow, it's a good question. <laughs> I t- honestly, Barrett, would just say that it's coincidence and synchronous. There's, some, there's something about a mo- yeah. moment in time that things come together. And what a wonderful thing for South for a South African gig to have been on 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 par with an international gig like Live Aid, even though people didn't see it as such, you know.
2: Yeah.
1: So they're both they're they're on par. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just unfortunate that we would we would we didn't have international. Recognition with everything that was going on.
0: Yeah, I know it's mm. crazy. I mean, in retrospect, it's. I mean, it said yeah. a hundred thousand people. I, I don't know if you'd yeah. be able to get a hundred thousand people to a concert in South Africa now. I don't know.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're right. <laughs> of know. course,
0: we only like music from the eighties. I don't like anything that's happening now. So <laughs> I'm biased. Don't ask
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are your favourite eighties music?
0: Oh no! You, now you're going to start me. You, you, you don't know this is a long list. We do have we do have a, a regular thing on the show. Pa- Paolo, who's not with us mm-hmm. today, our um, other co-host. Him and I met over a, a mutual love of wham, which most people would be teased about. We didn't <laughs> care. We didn't care. We yeah. loved wham, but um, mm-hmm. I I actually also like. I mean, my, my taste's quite broad. eh? I like Pet Shop Boys and. Um, okay yeah you know I I do go more towards a bit of the alternative stuff as well the cure that kind of stuff you know um oh love Jesu, of course Barrett, yeah. Barrett Barrett's also got very broad taste but he 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 sticks he sticks quite firmly in the pop genre right Barrett hey? okay Barrett's,
2: yeah.
0: face, ba- Barrett's favorite is Kylie cool. Kylie is
2: the best I love Kylie Minogue. <laughs> <laughs> all generations of Kylie Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: Lucia, what music were you listening to in
1: the eighties? Ah, um, whew, you mean just internationally, music from anywhere? You mean
0: anything? Well, anything.
1: Well, with with the uh, when we started becoming more ethno, then um, I, I was listening to Talking Heads, Bob Marley, um, even The Police a bit. And I, life, I loved African jangly guitar stuff, you know, the Mbakanga stuff. So um, and it's a lot of that, once I'd made that decision, I, I explored that whole genre of, of trying to blend musical styles, you know. But um, before that, I was just like your normal, you know, uh, prog rock guy and stuff, you know. And then, of course, there's, there's some South African music that, is, that inspired me as well. When I, was, like, when I was only about 14, I was, I to mem- mem- seeing Hawk for the first <laughs> time live. I mean, they, they were like, oh, my God, this is incredible. I liked, I liked Backstop, you know, Radio Rats. They were all early influences because they were quite original, Radio Rats especially. Um, and then, you know, but then songs, you know, things like Bright Blue, contemporary artists like Bright Blue with Weeping and, you know, Lucky Dubé. I was never a big Jaluka fan. I mean, I think the reason being was that I was, we were doing, trying to create a pop alternative crossover and they were, were doing their version of a crossover. So I sort of saw them as a, as a competitor. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So As much as I love African Sky Blue, but uh, he, he felt a bit too folky for me. Uh, Johnny, So, and I wanted to get away from that. So in my head, I know what I was doing. I thought, no, no, no. Least
2: I have to get away from this. I mustn't be influenced by this. <laughs> so, Lucien, when you were yeah. uh, touring and creating music during the 80s, were there any other South African artists that you collaborated with, if not collaborated with, socialized with, that were uh, popular at the time?
1: Actually, not many, but I mean, uh, that we socialized with, um, I mean, Wonderboom came later, but that's when I was in London. Um, at the time, I'm trying to think whether, I mean, we'd do gigs um, with other bands, but, but but you know, I mean, I think that was the extraordinary thing about Concert in the Park, where all these bands suddenly played together. We, we never normally would all play together. That's the first time I actually met Johnny Clegg. Do you know what I mean?
2: So, in, the, in backstage, in and if if you think of it, during the 80s, people collaborated potentially less, you know, crossover artists than they do now. These days, this person's collaborating with that person, with this person, that person. Back in the 70s, 80s was more yeah. their own solo yeah. journey, you know, as a band or as a solo artist. But going on their own journey, there wasn't that much of a crossover collaboration as compared to today. That's
1: a very good point, Barrett. because I think it's part of the zeitgeist. Again, the spirit of the age of the 80s. The 80s was just all about that arrogance, like me and, and, and my band. I even remember reading something on Freddie Mercury saying, you know, no, we want to be the greatest. We want to be the biggest rock band and pop band and stuff, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. So, yes, you're right. It's a real 80s thing. And it, it did produce incredible Stuff because you had such diversity in the eighties when I think about it, but 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 every but not collaboratively. You're right. You're absolutely right.
0: We won't keep you much longer, Lucien. I just want to. Um, do you have any other amazing memories from that time? Like when, like just before you went to London, or even like as you got to yeah. London, like that. Just it must have been such a such a such an adventure just to you know have all these all this.
1: So there's lots of stories to be honest, because when we arrived in February, it was snowing in London, and uh, I, you know, coming from South Africa, the snow was really weird. And we still had all our colourful ethno Gypsy garb on, <laughs> bright, brightly coloured in the snow. And we and we went to go and visit the uh, the young guy from Warner Brothers, who was uh, the A and R guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a German goth punk, completely opposite. So so there we s- were sitting in the w- 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 office, Eric and I, and this goth guy, and he's looking at us and he says, you know, um, you guys stick out like canaries in this country, you know, and, um, you know, y- y- you'll be killed. Something about uh, the the sparrows, there's something about a story about the, canary, the sparrows will kill the canaries or something, you know, he, was, he was trying to say like we're going to be fluffed out, but there's no mm. way we're going to make it here and uh, he was really against us wasn't in, interested in us at all, he said well, aren't all South white South Africans murderers, yeah. you know, that's how he started oh, yeah. it was it was hectic it was really hectic
0: <laughs> yeah but I mean that must have been like something to actually overcome yeah. because there, there was definitely a specific perception about South Africa in, the, in that time how did you deal
1: with that? I cried mm. for about a year. I felt I, I, I'd been betrayed because we weren't shown what what was actually happening. We were, you know, the, the stuff was mm. hidden from us. And the BBC are so good at portraying and, 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 and uh, broadcasting stuff. And I thought I'd never, I never knew any of this. I never knew this. I never knew that. All the stuff that they were showing. Yeah. So it was really, it was a huge cultural shock. I remember I was in tears thinking, I I didn't know all of this. I mean, I did. You heard about it, but not when you see it, Dory. Not when you actually see the stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It was really hard, really hard to handle. What
0: made you move to London in the first place?
1: Uh, I was naive, you know. I, I was in love with the English music scene melody maker new musical express i just thought um if i said to carl my br- older brother who'd taken on management i said i'm not too sure if if i want to continue here he said well, look let's let just let's just try for another year and see how it goes and then we can go because i i was going to go either way i was going to go i don't know why Terry, i just wanted to to go, on. maybe I was naively thinking I could be big in in London, you know. Mm. But there you go, There's those big dreams. And then it, then void became big. And the strange thing was, we should have stayed a bit longer and created written a few more albums, but no, we left. <laughs> oh, oh well,
0: you did yeah. you did at least do some yeah. amazing things before you left.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the only only other thing I remember when you were saying of any other. Stories was just when we used to play Shadows live, and because Shadows whenever you have that chorus, ta da, and that thumping, thumping beat. Yeah. And I remember, I remember the floor at Stellenbosch University just caving in and people disappearing down a hole Oh in the my floor.
2: goodness! <laughs> Are you serious? Did that really happen? They just, oh my word!
1: It, 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 seriously, seriously, I could not believe it. And and then they put like a table, one of these trestle tables to try and cover the hole.
0: (laughs) Obviously, nobody was seriously injured. Also, I mean, they probably were too drunk to notice, knowing the reputation there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, because that resonance, you know what I mean? Boom, boom, yes. boom. You, you boom.
0: literally brought down yeah. the house. I mean, you know.
1: <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs> you brought down the floor and the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It was fantastic.
0: Oh, well, I mean, it's it, it must be really cool for you to at least have all those memories as well. Because, I mean, my memory is obviously my experience of just hearing the music as an outsider. Sure. you did it. And, I mean, so, yeah, so that's really yeah.
1: cool. Yeah. Yeah, it does.
0: and thank you so much. It was good. Thank you so much for your time and for joining us on on that 80 show.
1: That's fine. It's been a pleasure. Yes. It's lovely talking about it. I don't talk about it enough. Really. Oh well, <laughs> we'll have to just
0: uh, drag you on again sometime and make you think of more stories.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: So. Just, just to finish off, I don't know if this will be part of the interview or you mm. edited out, Dory. When you're we mm. talking about avoiding with the cell phone, did you notice that that's yes. when I was disconnected from the call? <laughs> yes,
0: and Barrett, that's exact- while, Barrett, <laughs> Barrett, while you were disconnected, I was telling Lucien about your Cervantish ways and how you always interfere with our recordings. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, it was strict, uh, yeah. It was crazy. No, you,
1: that was, yeah. That you was, talk about that that. was so bizarre. <laughs> yeah, that was so bizarre. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderfully synchronous. I don't know, in <laughs> you know, a mad yes. way. <laughs> totally crazy.